0: Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we we can plan them ourselves. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding on anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers.
1: I have a dream. One day live in a nation where they
0: will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. We lose freedom here. There's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on
2: earth. Welcome to the Stephen Ferguson Show, July 4th, 2015. Two hundred thirty-nine years ago on July or June 7th, 1776, Richard Henry Lee of Virginia proposed a resolution that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. Just a few days later on June 11th, Congress appointed a committee of five founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston. They drafted a statement, one that would explain to the citizens of those colonies and to the and to Great Britain, why the decision to separate had been made. By the way, taxes weren't even mentioned until number 17 on the list of grievances. Congress then recessed for three weeks to let this committee do its work. On July 2nd, the resolution passed without a single dissenting state, one abstention. That would be New York. After debating and editing for the next few days, on the morning of July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was officially adopted before I came in today, I was watching, uh, John Adams. It was just a, it was a show that was put on. It was a, it was like a long form, uh, television show, but it was almost put on like a movie. It had movie quality, uh, production. And once it was adopted, once the declaration of independence was officially adopted, they they did something that was a little bit different in my opinion. I I don't know what it was like inside the in inside Philadelphia inside the Independence Hall whenever it was adopted, but they just sat in silence. They they were just they were awestruck. There was no hooting and hollering. There was no whistling. There was no screaming. No yelling. No high fiving. It was like we've done it. We've absolutely done it. We are now an independent state, whether they like it or not after debating and editing for the next few days on the morning of July 4th, whenever they were sitting there debating this thing, Thomas Jefferson had put his heart into this document. You know, uh, th- this declaration that he had just thrown his heart into, he spent almost 20 days writing this thing. Um, he, had got, he had written uh, copy after copy, draft after draft, and just, and then, you know, Benjamin Franklin uh, changed a few things in it. He put, you know, uh, the "all men are created equal" thing. That thing was was debated heavily because of slavery. Thomas Jefferson said, "Look, slavery is is abhorrent, but I don't have a I don't have any I don't have I don't have a way to solve that yet." But he wanted that in there anyway. All men are created equal. A few weeks later, on July 19th, the entire Declaration of Independence was written on a large parchment, not only for the sake of cosmetics, for saving it and so forth, but this way the founders, all 56 of the signers, could solidify their names and record. They did that a few weeks later, on August 2nd, once the official handwritten copy was finished. Because what had happened, they had printed a, a bunch of small copies to send out through the land once the Declaration of Independence was was adopted, they they had a bunch of copies printed up, and uh, it wasn't the same as what we would do. We'd just run into a copier and print a thousand copies or a million copies or whatever, and send it out in a newspaper, a magazine, put it online. It wasn't like that. They had to to you know back then it was whenever they printed copies, they had to basically write out the the copy backwards on these pallets that they used to print newspapers on, and then they would just cover it in ink and then print it on paper. Well, that's what they did. They made a few copies of these and they would send them out to all the different cities and states so people could read it for themselves. So they didn't want that to be their official you know, declaration of independence. So they had a calligrapher come in and he wrote it very beautifully. The one that we we know today, he wrote it very beautifully on a piece of parchment. That way it could be saved. There was four of them. I believe England has one, and we have the, the other three. I think one is actually in a private collector's hand, and the United States government has the other two. The one that we see, I, I believe, is probably the best looking of all of them, the one that we see on, if, you know, if you believe national treasure, then it's not the only one that, they, that we see all the time. Sometimes it's a fake, but I digress on that one. Have you ever been to Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I've seen it.
1: I uh, went to the uh, Smithsonian in, uh, nineteen, I believe it was 1998, before I shipped out to uh, Pearl Harbor while I was in the Navy at submarine school. I drove down to uh, from Connecticut to D.C. It's an it's amazing place. I always wanted to see
2: it when I was a uh, kid. Yeah. But uh, it's awesome. Uh, I, I would love to go there. I would love to go and see the Declaration, the Constitution. I'd love to see all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, the Enola Gay was there, you know, the the plane that dropped the bomb. That's what I remember most.
2: I love their space museum the most. That would be cool. That yeah. would be very cool. Yeah, but that'd be neat though. That that would be uh, that'd be really cool just to see the actual cuz I have uh, you know a, an actual copy. It's not, you know, it's not an original copy or anything like that. I got it from wall builders. It's a, an actual life size copy and and everything is correct about it. It's on actual parchment paper. It's really mm-hmm. cool. I have a copy of the declaration and I want to get it framed, but just even that, whenever you sit and look at it, you get to see kind of how they, how they wrote it You get to see the, the founder's signatures on the bottom. You see John Hancock's, of course, it was, is the largest. There's a lot of rumor that says that John Hancock may have been just a little drunk whenever he wrote his name at the bottom, which is why it's so large. He wanted to kind of tell the King, Hey, this is John Hancock. Screw you. Uh, there, there is a lot of debate on that, um, but yeah, it's it's just really cool, and uh, just to think that 239 years later, the Declaration of Independence still is there, the Constitution still there. Constitution may be in threads as of right now because you know we have so many regulations that are passed every year, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show. We have laws that are being broken every day by people that are in power. We have the Supreme Court. That are literally just making up the law as they go. They're not interpreting as they're supposed to. They've turned into the legislative branch instead of being the judicial branch, which they supposed to be. And uh, But nonetheless, we're still 239 years old today, which brings up another point that I saw on Twitter a few times. There are actually people out there that believe that the United States is turning 200 or 2,015 years old today because it's the year 2015.
1: Hmm, that's new to me.
2: Yeah. The last I heard, we changed years on New Year's, you know, between December 31st and January 1st. But I guess, to, in some people's minds, we, we turn on July 4th, and we're 2,015 years old today. That brings on concern in my mind. Well, there's a lot of concern. Uh, there is a lot of concern going on in my mind with this country today. And then we'll get into George Takai and his racist rant against Clarence Thomas, the only African-American judge on the Supreme court. He went, he went on this just massive rant. We'll have the audio for you after the next break. Uh, there's a amazing article over the Dred Scotting of religious Liberty. I'll go over what Dred Scott was. Uh, George Takai did put out a, uh, I'm going to, he called an apology, but it's kind of a half ass apology. So we'll get into that. That hurt. I just hit myself on the microphone. That's all right. And then JP Morgan says that the word wife is an insult. We'll get into that whenever we come back.
1: You are listening to The Stephen Ferguson Show on News Talk 1520 KOKC.
0: In an ever-changing world where violence is on the rise, where the laws of the land protect the guilty and condemn the innocent, in times like these where murder, rape, assault and battery, child molestation and burglary lie in wait to pounce on the weak and the innocent, Roy Jones and Tim Campbell want you to know there is a legal, simple way to protect yourselves and your loved ones. It's called Concealed Carry. Roy and Tim teach a biblically and spiritually-based Concealed Carry class with only your protection as a goal. They have been featured in the Baptist Messenger, several men's and women's magazines, as well as local newspapers. They have references and will even come to your church to teach the classes. The bad guy has a plan. You need a plan to protect yourselves as well. The classes are only $50. In Luke chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus Christ said, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Give Roy and Tim a call today. Call 405-659-1276. That's 405-659-1276.
2: Or visit them on the web at campbellselfdefense.com. Fort Reno may have begun as a simple military camp in 1874, but one of the most intriguing stories is the fact that Fort Reno, it was once home to the 9th and 10th Cavalry of an all-black regiment called the Buffalo Soldiers. In 1907, they became so highly respected for their bravery, poise, and skill in battle that military leaders, they appointed the 9th Cavalry to teach future officers riding instruction, mounted drill, and tactics at West Point Military Academy until 1947. To learn more about this story and all the activities going on at Fort Reno, visit fortreno.com. Sometimes one person can make a difference, a classroom aide who stays after school to help a student understand a problem, a computer technician who retrieves a once lost term paper from a disk, or a doctor who has run out of options on an operating table. Each of those careers, they require one thing that is not being taught in today's classrooms. Critical Thinking Instead of learning how to copy and paste phrases from Shakespeare, or how to repeat dates they may or may not have read in a history book, students should be learning who and why they were fighting on St. Crispin's Day and why that date is important. The school building should be where students learn to think critically, solve problems, and cooperate with each other. This week, instead of asking a student about a date or asking them trivial, repetitive questions, ask them to solve a problem that will take more than a single sentence to answer. These skills are critical in shaping the future of the United States of America. A message from Stephen Ferguson and Apollo Radio Arts. Welcome back. My name is Stephen Ferguson. Here with Jeremy Quarry. News Talk fifteen twenty KOKC. So George Sakai apparently does not understand anything about the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. He uh, had a couple of things to say about Clarence Thomas's dissension in the uh, gay marriage ruling. Now there, I, I was reading an article a little bit ago, and it, it had it, it was it was entitled "The Dread Scotting of Religious Liberty," and it really it does have to do with that. It's basically what what happened with Dred Scott was back then um, the the Supreme Court was made up made up of a bunch of democrats. And and a lot of people are a little weary whenever people say stuff like that because they they say, "Well, the the political parties weren't the same." Well, if, if you think about it, they really were. Uh, the the political parties are about the same on a bunch of issues, especially gun rights. One of the biggest reasons why Dred Scott was considered not a citizen after the Dred Scott case was because they didn't want blacks being able to own guns. Because if, if Dred Scott was, had been found to be a citizen, had been found to be able to have the same rights as white people, he would have been able to have the right to own a gun. Meaning that the rest of the slaves would have been having a right to own a weapon. So that that was kind of a little back, back, back story on the Dred Scott case. So if you ever hear anything about Dred Scott, well, that's what's going on. Well, that Supreme court didn't interpret law. They just made up law. They said, well, nope, Dred Scott, black people, they're not, they're not citizens. They are property is what that was. And Abraham Lincoln kind of had something to say about it. He didn't like it at all. One of his best friends was Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, as most of us know, is, uh, he was a black man. He was a freed slave. Actually, I don't know if he was freed slave. He, I think he was actually an escaped slave. And, uh, he, he actually became very good friends with Abraham Lincoln. So good of friends that actually he, you know, the first time he actually went to the white house, they wouldn't let him in. And Abraham Lincoln had to say, Hey, that's, that's my friend, let him in. And then he became kind of known around there. So he'd just go to the white house whenever he wants to visit Abraham Lincoln. But the same kind of discussion happened back then as it pertains to, to polygamy. Now, everyone's kind of saying, well, what's next? Is it going to be polygamy? Is it going to be, okay, if gay marriage is now. Is it going to be polygamy next? Well, I have always contended that if it's a state issue, if, if the state wants polygamy, fine. If the state wants gay marriage, if the people of that state want gay marriage, fine. I don't really care. I personally don't care about gay marriage. If someone wants to marry someone else, I have no right to stop them as they have no right to stop me, but they don't have the right to sue anybody else in order to make them marry them. They cannot go into a church and say, Hey, you have to marry us. The church has the right to say, no, go find another church that will, or go to a courthouse and have the justice of the peace, marry you or whatever. If you're just looking for the title, if you want a ceremony, There are plenty of people around here that will marry a gay couple. Go find it. I don't really care. But the same argument back then happened over polygamy. Here's what uh, Abraham Lincoln said. Abraham Lincoln said, But in all this, it is very plain the judge evades the only question the Republicans have ever pressed upon the democracy in regards to Utah. That question the judge well knows to be is this. If the people of Utah shall peacefully from the state constitution... Tolerance or uh, tolerate, tolerating polygamy, will the democracy admit them into the union? There is nothing in the United States Constitution or law against polygamy. Same thing with gay marriage. There is nothing in the Constitution that is for or against gay marriage or marriage, period. It is a state issue. And, why, and then going back to Abraham Lincoln's quote, And why is it not part of the judge's sacred right to self-government that for the people to have it, or rather keep it, if they choose? These questions, so far as I know, the judge never answers. It might involve democracy to answer either way, and they must go in unanswered. Basically, if the people of that state want polygamy, they can have it. If the people of a certain state want gay marriage, they can have it. It is not the right of the Supreme Court to make up law and to say that gay marriage is constitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution that says gay marriage. Or marriage, for that matter, is constitutional or not constitutional. That's why the Tenth Amendment is there, saying that anything that's not in this Constitution goes back to the states. Now, we have had more amendments, you know, talking about slavery and things like that. That's fine. If you think that's needed, fine. But everything else is a state issue. Oh, which, by the way, 37 states had already adopted gay marriage as being legal so you were already winning that fight. 37 states. So, so why did we need federal law? We didn't. Just leave it as a state issue. But George Sakai had a, had a problem with this, and Clarence Thomas basically said the same thing as in his dissension. He was writing about the Declaration of Independence and dignity and stuff like that. He said that human dignity has long been understood in this country to be innate, which means natural. When the framers proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights, they referred to a vision of mankind which all humans are created in the image of God and therefore inherit worth. That vision is the foundation upon which this nation was built. Meaning that even if you're a slave, if you're gay, if you are interned in an internment camp, if you're Japanese American in the 1930s, you still have an inherent worth. You still have your dignity just because the government is complicit in your stripping of the quote dignity does not mean that it's actually being taken away from you. It just means that somebody is being a douche and treating you like crap. That doesn't mean that you're worth less as a human being, but let's get that George DeKai uh, audio ready because he just rips Clarence Thomas apart and completely misconstrues his words. Go. He is a clown in blackface sitting
0: on the Supreme Court. He gets me that angry. I'm sure. He doesn't belong there.
2: And for, for, for him to say slaves had Stop dignity. Quick. Clown in blackface. Think about that for a second. If anybody on the right had said that, if, if he wasn't a liberal gay actor, which, by the way, why do we keep putting so much emphasis and so much praise on what actors think? They are literally trained monkeys. That's what they are. They are literally trained to, re- to memorize words and act. Why do we always think that they're so smart? They're not. Some of them are. I mean, there are, there are some actors on both sides that are actually pretty dang smart. But just because you're an actor and you've made a lot of money, which, by the way, George Takai, I, I only know him from Star Trek. So, I mean, what, what makes him so, so damn important? I have no idea. But clown and blackface. Can you imagine, I don't really agree with a lot of what Donald Trump says, but can you imagine if Donald Trump said something like that? Can you imagine if someone said that about the president? Someone of, of quote, importance as George Takai said that about the president, said that he's a clown in blackface. I mean, this is the only black American sitting on the, sitting on the United States Supreme Court. He's pretty well off. He's, you know He's pretty successful. And he just got called a clown in blackface. I wonder is is George Takei gonna be blacklisted from from any stores, any businesses, or anything like that? I doubt it. I doubt it too. Go ahead.
0: He doesn't belong there. And for 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 him to say slaves had dignity. I mean, doesn't he know that slaves were in chain, that they were whipped? No. On the back? If no, he, he doesn't the know, know that the slaves
2: years. were slaves had slaves were in chains or anything. He's only black. I'm sure he's read a little bit about, you know, his ancestry or anything like that. I'm sure he's, he's read up on his ancestors and how they were treated by the Democratic Party, which, by the way, you still vote for. You can go ahead. As a slave, you know, they were raped, and he says they had no, they had a
0: dignity and, as slaves, or my parents lost everything that they worked for in the middle of their lives, in their thirties, his business, my father's business, our home, our, our, our freedom, and we're supposed to call that dignified, at marching out of our homes at gunpoint? I mean, this man does not belong in the Supreme Court. He
2: is an embarrassment. He is a disgrace to America. I'll say it on camera. Yeah, you say it on camera. That's what's kind of hypocritical about the whole thing, George. You're the one that votes for the party that did all of that. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, is the one that put your parents in an internment camp. That was the Democratic Party, but who, who do you vote for now? Who do you look to as just a god upon, upon presidents? That's FDR, I guarantee you, if if we were to look hard enough, you would see George Takai worshiping at the feet of FDR and Woodrow Wilson, which, by the way, reinstated uh, 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 racism into the White House. He had, uh, uh, what do they call it, he uh, uh, separated uh, blacks and whites in the military again. I mean, come on, George. You want to talk about, you know, how he doesn't know that that's not dignified. He's not calling the acts of which your parents were a part of. And I guess you were a part of dignified. He's saying that even though the government was instrumental in doing that, the democratic government that you still vote for today was instrumental in causing the tyranny that which your people and the black folks of the United States of America were under for all those years. He's not calling that dignified. He's saying that even though that happened, they're still dignified as human beings. That's what the difference was in the Dred Scott case. One side was arguing that even though he was black and even though he was a slave, he's still a human. He still has rights. He still has the right to bear arms. He still has the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then the other side was saying, no, he doesn't have rights. He doesn't have dignity. He's just property. That's what the the debate is right now. And you're just perpetuating that debate, George. You're saying that even though your parents were still human, I guess they didn't have dignity. We'll get back to that whenever we come back. You are listening to The Stephen
1: Ferguson Show on News Talk 1520, KOKC.
2: Sometimes one person can make a difference. A classroom aide who stays after school to help a student understand a problem, a computer technician who retrieves a once lost term paper from a disc, or a doctor who has run out of options on an operating table. Each of those careers they require one thing that is not being taught in today's classrooms. Critical Thinking. Instead of learning how to copy and paste phrases from Shakespeare, or how to repeat dates they may or may not have read in a history book, Students should be learning who and why they were fighting on St. Crispin's Day, and why that date is important. The school building should be where students learn to think critically, solve problems, and cooperate with each other. This week, instead of asking a student about a date or asking them trivial, repetitive questions, ask them to solve a problem that will take more than a single sentence to answer. These skills are critical in shaping the future of the United States of America. A message from Stephen Ferguson and Apollo Radio Arts. Fort Reno may have begun as a simple military camp in 1874, but one of the most intriguing stories is the fact that Fort Reno, it was once home to the 9th and 10th Cavalry of an all-black regiment called the Buffalo Soldiers. In 1907, they became so highly respected for their bravery, poise, and skill in battle that military leaders they appointed the 9th Cavalry to teach future officers riding instruction, mounted drill, and tactics at West Point Military Academy until 1947. To learn more about this story and all the activities going on at Fort Reno, visit Fort Reno To be fully fit, you have to be physically fit. You also have to be mentally fit. I wish that more warriors would realize how important it is that you get the psychological support that you need so that you can focus on the rest of your life.
1: I think it takes strength in order to admit that you have an issue, but it also takes intuitiveness of a friend, a leader, a supervisor, to pick
0: up on the signal that the soldier is having issues and needs to seek professional help in dealing with it. It's also important for the lowest possible levels of leadership to be very supportive in helping their members get the help that they need.
1: When I went to get help, I had more help than I could
2: have asked for from my entire command. It's sometimes challenging to come to a senior staff member or senior officer in the unit with a problem. There's not a commanding officer out there or a
0: leadership staff out there that doesn't want to help. So, don't hesitate. Come ask. Learn more by visiting www.realwarriors.net or calling 1-866-966-1020.
2: Game Time Inflatables, home of indoor parties and outdoor mobile fun. When you are in bed at 2 a.m. and realize that your nine-year-old and all 15 of his friends just spent the entire day eating cake, cookies, and getting all jacked up on Mountain Dew, you'll remember you should have called Game Time. Whether you want to bring the party to us or have us bring the party to you, one thing I can promise, your kids will sleep after a Game Time party. Located just west of Eastern on 27th Street, give them a call, 793-9595 or gametime Inflatables. Yeah. You might recognize this if you've ever seen Rocky or Hunt for Red October as Jeremy was talking about earlier. Of course, a good old submarine movie. Oh, yeah. Submariners, they're a whole different breed. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> so I wanted to play this song. It's the Soviet national anthem, especially in uh, reading this article where 1,568 new regulations and 38,000 federal register pages have already been filed this year alone. What the hell is the matter with us? This is, you know how whenever we were little, you were like, uh, especially whenever you're as a little kid, you're getting an argument with a, a friend or something. And uh, I don't know, you could be arguing over anything. It could be a hot dog or something. And you still his hot dog. And he's like, hey, give me the hot dog back. You know, like, and it's a free country. I can do what I want. You can't say that anymore. You steal the man's hot dog. Number one, you're going to get sued. And then not only are you are going to get sued, It's going to be a felony probably. And then you're going to lose your right to free speech. You're going to lose your right to own a firearm. Then all of a sudden you're not going to be able to get a job. Can't own a house. Uh, Your wife's going to leave you. Uh, Let's see here. You're going to get kicked out of any kind of state that's like California, New York or anything because you stole a hot dog. So you're going to have to go live in Oklahoma, Texas or something like that. You're going to be ran out of any kind of groups that you might be in. Like, you know. If you want to be a member of the KKK, they're not going to let you in because you stole a hot dog. They're okay with racism. You stole a hot dog. It's crossing the line. But apparently we're on pace to hit the uh, same, same amount of rate. I I can't do it anymore. (laughs) That song man is, is messing with me. So in 2014, we were on the similar pace whenever we ended up uh, issuing 3,541 new rules and regulations And published 78,978 pages in the Federal Register. Wow. Almost 80,000 pages of regulation is what we passed. That's insane. How do we, I mean, there's, I read an article not too long ago that said that, you know, the average American commits three felonies a day without even knowing it. I can see that. You know, with all the rules and regulations, like you said, easy to do. It's very easy to do. I mean, I would love to see, you know, I don't even know if they can do this or not, because whenever they start talking about just the rules every year and stuff, I see every once in a while a a congressman, just to make a point, will put all the pages of regulation stuff on a pallet and they'll roll it into the middle of uh, the House chambers or put it put it in their office or put it outside of their office or something. It takes up an entire pallet of all these regulations and stuff. So what I would like to see happen was like every single law passed and every single regulation passed, because this is what we're talking about here. This is what the president does. That's so dangerous. He doesn't just pass laws that are dangerous, like the affordable care act or something like that. He does it by regulation. He does it by executive fiat or something like that, where it doesn't have to go through Congress. It goes through unelected bureaucrats, like with the EPA or the, Department of Homeland Security or the NSA, where you know they're they're spying on us, where it wasn't voted on through Congress. Well, technically, that one kind of was because of the Patriot Act. But I mean, they they do things like, especially with the EPA. You know what he's you know we, I don't know. Have you seen the uh, articles that's been circulating circulating around Facebook saying that um, Obama wants to take away the Fourth of July or yeah, something like I've that? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, but, uh... what that is is something with the EPA about putting phosphates in the air and stuff like that, where you're not going to be able to pop fireworks. Really? Yeah. So what that what's what that's going to do is if he if he puts in this federal regulation with, through the EPA that you can't put so many phosphates in the air or whatever whatever else you know they come up with, well cities aren't going to be able to have fireworks shows anymore, and it's like that that's insane. I mean, number one, I can see Oklahoma, Texas, and maybe you know Kansas, maybe. Uh, George, Alabama, stuff like that. They're just gonna be like, you know what? You can stick it up your butt. We're gonna have fireworks shows on the fourth of July. But I mean that's just going way too far. I mean, you can mess with my food at the school lunch counter, you can mess with my guns to a certain point. <laughs> you start screwing with my fireworks. It's gonna have a problem. We're gonna have problems. You wanna start 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 another revolution? <laughs> Take away the fireworks on the fourth of July. 80,000 pages of federal regulation in 2014 and this year alone, that's insane. Almost 40,000 this year alone. So, well, actually, you know, we're just in July, so we could beat last year. And we've already got 40,000 almost, 38,000 technically by July. This article was written July 1st. And this uh, information comes from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. They're kind of a watchdog. That's just insane to me. Think about that. If you commit three felonies a day, remember how everybody says, uh, "Well, they can look at me, they can spy on me. I don't have anything to hide." Well, you might have something to hide. You don't know what kind of felonies you're committing. I mean, I—I I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think. You know, I mean, did I commit any felonies today? I mean, I was speeding on the way here. I'm not going to say how much, in case you know. Somebody wants to pull me over on the way home and say, hey, you just admitted to speeding. Maybe it was like by a mile an hour, but I was still speeding on the way here. Maybe I changed lanes without uh, using my blinker. Now, all these aren't felonies, but they're still crimes. Can you go to jail for changing lanes?
1: Uh, Depends on how fast you're going when you change (laughs) lanes. Oh. Or what you've got inside your car when you change that lane, you know?
2: I don't have anything illegal, I don't think. Well, I do carry a firearm, but I have my license. There you go. You're safe. Safe there. I I don't have any drugs. Nothing like that. So I'm good. May, uh, I did have a water bottle. It's plastic. You know how they are about plastic water bottles these days. You know that there's a whole island of uh, plastic water bottles between us and uh, in Hawaii that that's in the ocean. I didn't know that. There's not, but that's that's something that they say all the time. You know what's funny is I get on uh, Google Maps and i'll I'll zoom out all the way and I'll and I'll go look in the ocean. I'm like, where's this island that they're talking about? I mean, surely, if I can zoom into my house on Google Maps and actually see my house, see the backyard, see my truck sitting in the driveway, pretty clearly surely I would be able to see an island the size of Texas from just trash and debris that's out somewhere, you know, floating around the ocean between us and Hawaii. You'd think so. I mean, it's the size of Texas. I mean, that's bigger than Hawaii. How come I can find Hawaii in the middle of the ocean? In the middle of the Pacific Ocean, how come I can find that? But I can't find this island the size of Texas out there that's made of trash. Can you see boats and stuff like that out there? I've never looked. I've never actually looked for a boat. Hmm. Every once in a while, I'll go look in, like, China. And uh, I'll look in North Korea. North Korea is weird. You go over there and look, there's like nothing there. I mean, you can look at their like little bitty houses, you know, and there's certain places that they won't let you look in North Korea, but I'll look for like prison camps and stuff. (laughs) If I get bored at night or something, I'll, I'll turn on Google Maps and I'll go look in like the countryside of North Korea, looking for prison camps and kind of where they're supposed to be. And every once in a while, you'll see some weird stuff in the middle of North Korea, but I don't know if it's actually a prison camp or not because I I, you know, I, I don't know all the intelligence and stuff. But I'll go look at the uh, in Egypt. I'll go look at the uh, the pyramids and stuff. The yeah. pyramids are hard to find because they're they're brown, just like the ground. Yeah. So yeah, those I've are hard those, to find. Yeah. But uh, go look in China. Go look in like uh, I don't know Ethiopia and stuff like that. And I mean, it's kind of cool whenever you look in Google Maps. Yeah, I like it. I enjoy it too when I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get real bored to, to to talk about that. So the Ten Commandments must come down in Oklahoma. Did you hear about that? Yes, I did. What do you think about it?
1: Well, I I don't know. I I think that you're among friends. I won't tell anybody. Okay. I think that if my opinion is, if when you open it up for one religion, you know, like the Satanism, you're opening it up for everything. You know, it might be part of our heritage, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think it should be there, man.
2: I really don't. I can, I I can respect that opinion. I mean, that's just my opinion. I I can respect it. I I disagree, but I I can respect the opinion. No problem there. Uh, The the only reason I think it ought to be there is because it was essential in our founding. Um, You know, I mean, whenever you talk about, I don't have it with me today. I should have brought it with me today. Uh, Whenever you talk about, you know, God being in the classrooms and stuff like that, you know, you look at our first uh, our first textbook that we used in the United States. It wasn't actually the United States whenever it was first started using. We weren't a country then. It was called the uh, New England Primer, and it's a little blue book. It's only about that big. It's you know that thick, but it's it's a little bitty book that people could carry around in their pockets. They they just issue it, and the the students would carry it home in their pockets and do homework out of it and everything like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. You literally cannot find a page in that book that doesn't reference scripture, doesn't reference God, Jesus, something like that. They use that from like 17, I want to say 1760, all the way up into like 1890, something like that. So well into whenever we were in established country, they still use that book. And, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson used it. Uh, Benjamin Franklin used it and all that kind of stuff. So I look for evidence of ways that, we had uh, we had things like Ten Commandments in states in in federal stuff and stuff like that. I, I kind of I tend to look for evidence of how we used it in the past, especially when the founders were around, because everyone will try to say, and not necessarily what you were saying, but everyone will try to say, well, well, the founders didn't intend to have God in schools. Well, then why did they allow it? If they didn't want God in schools, why did they allow it? I believe the Ten Commandments is on
1: the uh, Supreme Court just or the Supreme Court building. I believe it's on the side of it. It
2: is, it is, and um, and I am not a you know I am not as well versed in the Oklahoma Constitution as I am the the the, the American Constitution. Um, the Oklahoma is a very weird state. Oklahoma, everyone always thinks of. As a very right-wing state, it always has been. Well, it's not really the case. Oklahoma was actually pretty socialist whenever it was first founded. If you go read our Constitution, that's why there's so many damn amendments to the Constitution in Oklahoma. I mean, the the damn thing has like 480—I don't really think it's 480 amendments, but there's a lot of amendments to the Constitution in Oklahoma. It was a very socialist state back then in in the 1900s. Very, very left-wing. And whenever they founded the, the state, they they were very secular back then. They they did not want religion as a part of the state. They didn't want religion in government or anything like that. In Article 2, Section 5 of the Oklahoma Constitution reads as follows. No public money or property shall ever be appropriated, applied, donated, or used directly or indirectly for the use, benefit, or support of any sect, church, denomination, or system of religion for the use benefit or support of any priest preacher minister or other religious religious teaching or dignitary or sectarian institution as such now pruitt argued that the monument had not been built using any public funds and the us supreme court previously ruled that the that a nearly identical mon- monument in texas was constitutional but the problem was is pruitt I don't think is a very good litigator. I mean, we need someone like, like a Ted Cruz is our Solicitor General and stuff like that here in Oklahoma, but um, I don't think the United States Supreme Court has any jurisdiction here. I mean, what's constitutional in Texas is may, may be completely different than what's constitutional here in Oklahoma because Texas has a different constitution than Oklahoma does. But, I mean, I, I, I know there's arguments out there that that try to debunk this and everything, but this is in the constitution. And unless we, you know, unless we pass some kind of a, an amendment or something like that, that allows it or something like that, because Brad Henry actually passed a law that, that did allow this 10 commandments to be, be used. It was Brad Henry that did. It's not like it was a, a right wing Republican that did. It was Brad Henry. who's a Democrat that, that allowed this cut, this 10, 10 commandments to be erected. But, I don't know. There's a, there's going to be a big fight though. That's going to happen. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's pretty disheartening to see what's going on in the state because now we have, you know, we have the legislation versus the Supreme court versus the governor now versus the solicitor general and the attorney general of of Oklahoma. And, And then if it goes to the Supreme court, I'm really afraid that they're actually going to take the case and they're going to rule on it where I don't want the Supreme court meddling in Oklahoma issues we just saw that in the gay marriage case. Did we not learn our lesson? And now we're talking about a state convention being drawn up, which I am actually for an article five state convention uh, And Oklahoma was talking about drawing one up. And I don't know that that was actually voted down a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago about the, you know, joining the state convention. But now I guess apparently it might be. So who knows what's going to happen, but it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, here we disagree right here. Whether it should be there or not, but I guess we have to leave it up to the politicians. Yeah, that's what it's going to end up. <laughs> we'll be right back. You
1: are listening to The Stephen Ferguson Show on News Talk 1520, KOKC.
0: In an ever-changing world where violence is on the rise, where the laws of the land protect the guilty and condemn the innocent, in times like these where murder, rape, assault and battery, child molestation and burglary lie in wait to pounce on the weak and the innocent, Roy Jones and Tim Campbell want you to know there is a legal, simple way to protect yourselves and your loved ones. It's called Concealed Carry. Roy and Tim teach a biblically and spiritually-based Concealed Carry class with only your protection as a goal. They have been featured in the Baptist Messenger, several men's and women's, magazines, as well as local newspapers. They have references and will even come to your church to teach the classes. The bad guy has a plan. You need a plan to protect yourselves as well. The classes are only $50. In Luke chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus Christ said, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Give Roy and Tim a call today. Call 405-659-1276. That's 405-659-1276. Or visit them on the web at campbellselfdefense.com.
2: Fort Reno may have begun as a simple military camp in 1874, but one of the most intriguing stories is the fact that Fort Reno, it was once home to the 9th and 10th Cavalry of an all-black regiment called the Buffalo Soldiers. In 1907, they became so highly respected for their bravery, poise, and skill in battle that military leaders, they appointed the 9th Cavalry to teach future officers riding instruction, mounted drill, and tactics at West Point Military Academy until 1947. To learn more about this story and all the activities going on at Fort Reno, visit fortreno.com. .org. Game Time Inflatables, home of indoor parties and outdoor mobile fun. When you are in bed at 2 a.m. and realize that your nine-year-old and all 15 of his friends just spent the entire day eating cake, cookies, and getting all jacked up on Mountain Dew, you'll remember you should have called Game Time. Whether you wanna bring the party to us or have us bring the party to you, one thing I can promise, your kids will sleep after a Game Time party. Located just west of Eastern on 27th Street, give them a call, 793-9595 or GameTime-Inflatables com sometimes one person can make a difference a classroom aide who stays after school to help a student understand the problem a computer technician who retrieves a once lost term paper from a disk or a doctor who has run out of options on an operating table each of those careers may require one thing that is not being taught in today's classrooms critical thinking instead of learning how to copy and paste phrases from shakespeare or how to repeat dates they may or may not have read in a history book, students should be learning who and why they were fighting on St. Crispin's Day and why that date is important. The school building should be where students learn to think critically, solve problems, and cooperate with each other. This week, instead of asking a student about a date or asking them trivial, repetitive questions, ask them to solve a problem that will take more than a single sentence to answer. These skills are critical in shaping the future of the United States of America. A message from Stephen Ferguson and Apollo Radio Arts. Welcome back to the Steven Ferguson show news talk, 1520 KOKC. Did you know that the Eagle was not originally supposed to be kind of the, uh, represent the country? I think it was supposed to be the Turkey. It was Benjamin Franklin wanted it to be the Turkey. He said that the bald Eagle just sits around on a tree watching other birds catch their prey and then snatches it from them from them. Franklin concluded that the eagle was a bird of bad moral character. On the other hand, the turkey was a true, original Native of America. And though a little vain and silly, it was a bird of courage and suggested it would even attack redcoats if it invaded the, invaded its territory.
1: What would Thanksgiving be without the turkey? Because you know, if it was the bird, we couldn't kill it.
2: I mean... We'd have chicken. <laughs> <laughs> or eagle. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard the eagle would probably be pretty nasty because uh, it's, right. you know, it's a bottom feeder. You know, it's just a scavenger, which, you know, I mean, if you think about it, the turkey, you know, would have probably been a kind of a funny, you know, national bird. But the eagle's perfect. I mean, that's what we do. We wait around and let somebody else kill our food. Then we go to the grocery store. We buy it. <laughs> you know, we're a little lazy. You know, it's perfect for us. They They were looking ahead. I love it. So, uh, at the very first uh, day of independence in 1776, the meal for John Adams and wife Abigail included turtle soup, poached salmon, peas, and boiled potatoes. That does not sound very appetizing.
1: Well, I like salmon, but I can do without the turtle soup.
2: I love salmon. I, I absolutely love salmon, but turtle soup, I mean, just turtle soup on a hot day does not sound just. Mmm. Soup on a hot day I don't just know, doesn't sound have good. Have you ever
1: had turtle soup? I have. It m- might be good. I try
2: I'll try anything. On a hot f- day though? I mean, I've had turtle. I think I think it was no, that was frog legs that I had. Yeah, I've had those. Those it are was, pretty good. I love frog legs. Yeah. I've actually heard that turtle was kind of like frog. You know, it's got the uh, got a little bit of a fishy taste to it, kind of the same texture of a frog. Yeah. But just tur- turtle soup. <laughs> what a meal. That's that's kind of a possum stew. Ew, (laughs) nasty. That just doesn't even sound good at all. That just, (laughs) I'm just sitting here thinking possum stew. That just that just sounds nasty. I mean, what if what the possum had rabies?
1: I don't know. Is that uh? would you get it too if you eat if I'm sure you would I don't know I've never had to eat swap possum. bodily fluids to get you know any kind of
2: spit or I don't know anything. if you can do that through spitter if it has to get into your bloodline or uh, you can get it like in your eye
1: or in your mouth what's well, AIDS yeah. I know you can
2: get AIDS that way but the <laughs> rabies happen that way too I have to look that up just make sure you kill the possum at night because if the possums out running around during the day it's probably got rabies <laughs> just like a just like a uh, skunk or something, you see it out running around in the middle of the day. It's probably got rabies. Just one more thing, uh, you know that Thomas Jefferson and uh, John Adams they actually hated each other uh, yeah. f- a- at the beginning. They absolutely hated each other. John Adams, uh, they, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember exactly why. I think it was just disagreements on faith or something like that. But they just absolutely had a disdain for each other. And Abigail Adams was actually the one that kind of brokered the relationship back because they started out, you know, pretty pretty friendly, and then they got in arguments and stuff like that. They separated. They did not like each other. They fought and fought and fought. Abigail Adams started writing Thomas Jefferson and started writing, his, you know, her husband and stuff like that because he spent a lot of time in France and everything like that. And then they actually became best friends. Through writing each other. They would just write. I actually have a book full of their letters. And it is absolutely phenomenal. The the letters that they would write back and forth. They would have debates back and forth. They would just have correspondence with with each other about health. Stuff like that. But it was absolutely cool. But one thing that's really weird. They both died on the same day. On July 4th. 1826. Within an hour of each other. Wow. They died on the same day.
1: Isn't that really weird? You know why they wouldn't let Benjamin Franklin write more into the uh, Constitution or the Declaration of Independence? Because they were afraid that he would put some kind of subliminal subliminal joke into the writing. They were scared to death of that. So they kind of kept him away from that.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. He was kind of a prankster. I mean, Benjamin Franklin was a was very much a playboy. I mean, he's very smart and everything like that, but he's very much a playboy. I want to talk to you about Alex Martin. He's a a, a friend of mine. He has all of these different types of problems going on. He has a couple of uh, masses on his brain. He has, um, I can't even pronounce them, so I'm not even going to try, but he has, uh, you know, mineral or metallic deposits on his basal ganglia or ganglia. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. I do apologize to that. Dystonia. A disease, which it, there's no known cure for it for it that will progress. It'll make him worse. It's just both crippling and both financially. If you can go to my Facebook page and read up on his GoFundMe account, it has everything there. He's just a super cool kid. And what from what I've heard, kind of a ladies man, you know, he's, he's, he's only 13 years old, but he's going to have to go in, he's going to have about, you know, quite a bit of medical expenses. They're going to go in, they're going to break down his DNA. They're going to break down all of his um, you know, just going to break down all of his problems right now and just see if they can find something to help. They're talking about doing brain surgery on him. And I know that he really doesn't want it. Uh, but they're saying that, hey, we need to be a little bit more aggressive with it than what, what we said before. So uh, to me, that might be a good thing. Maybe now that they want to be a little aggressive with it, maybe they're thinking that, hey, we might be able to tackle this thing. But if you can go to my Facebook page and check out his GoFundMe account. And if you can give a prayer, give $5, anything that you can, that would be really great. Thank you so much for listening today. My name is Steven Ferguson. Please enjoy today and remember what July 4th is all about and who fought for it and the guys that are over there fighting for it right now. God bless. Thank you for joining us this afternoon.
1: Tune in every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. to hear the Stephen Ferguson show right here on News Talk 1520 KOKC.